Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to this Friday episode of Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We have no time to waste. We're going to jump right into it with our first guest of the day. Utah Senator Mitt Romney joins me on the line. Senator, sir, how are you? I'm great, Lee. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm well. I'm happy that we're looking at the weekend, but I know that your weekend will likely uh, entail a good deal of work as you and others uh, continue to to forward this uh, $908 billion emergency relief proposal that you've put forth. Now, before we get into those details, uh, you have been very deliberate in making a distinction uh, in in your language. You are not calling this a stimulus, but rather a relief. Will you talk to me quickly about that distinction? Well, yes, a stimulus, I think, uh, is designed by uh, folks who want to get money to everybody, businesses, individuals, just write a lot of checks to folks. Of course, we'd have to borrow that money and then hope that people go out and spend it and get the economy going. We think the economy is coming back pretty well. And once COVID is behind us, we think the economy will actually be doing very, very strong. But uh, but the real challenge right now is people that are out of work, businesses that can't open and are closing down. Uh, it's rural hospitals in particular that uh, are having a difficult time, the cost of getting vaccines out. So our program is designed to provide relief to those businesses, those states, those cities, and individuals uh, that really need help. On Tuesday, when you presented the, in broad strokes the details of this proposal, you emphasized the importance of liability protections. Could you describe those, please? Uh, and while they are here in place in Utah, why is it important for other states to follow suit? Well, there are many states that are not like Utah that don't have liability protections. And the trial bar, uh, the plaintiff's lawyers are really uh, lining up to say, how can we sue a school, a university, a hospital, perhaps a cruise ship or an airline uh, for someone who may have gotten COVID and sue them and say, you ought to pay us back for our sickness or in the case of a death for the the cost of a death. And uh, uh, and so we're saying, look, uh, as long as enterprises followed the guidance that was being offered by the CDC, they shouldn't get sued and have to pay a ton of money uh, to folks who got ill. That's just the, uh, our view about the reality of the situation. And so we're, we're looking for nationwide liability protection, frankly, doing for the country what Utah's legislature has already done for Utah. Do you have uh, sufficient bipartisan support to get that one through, do you think? Well, that's a tough one. Uh, We Republicans are pretty strong on that. The Democrats are insistent. No, obviously, they get a lot of support financially uh, from the the plaintiff bar and uh, and they don't want to put any protections in place. They're, you know, in some cases, just getting ready to file lots of lawsuits against hospitals and universities and so forth. Uh, We think that would be a big mistake. There is in your proposal uh, included one hundred and eighty billion dollars in additional unemployment insurance. What, What would that mean for Utah's unemployed? Well, it would mean that everybody who's receiving unemployment in Utah would get, in addition to the state payment of roughly $320 a week, another $300 from the federal government as well. So that the number would go up above $600 a week for people. That would allow them to keep paying their rent, uh, to make their other expenses uh, able to be met, uh, help them through the Christmas period. This would be funding uh, January through April. So an additional help for people that are unemployed. 
I gotcha. Uh, and then there in the in the framework document that you distributed, there is ten billion set aside for child care. How, how would that work exactly? Well, that's one we're working on. But the idea is to to help the uh, child care facilities that, as you can imagine, are are basically going under right now. They 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 have no business because people are afraid to bring their kids. They're afraid they're going to get sick, and so we would provide uh, grants to child care businesses, small and large to make sure they stay in business and they're still around when this COVID uh, crisis is behind us. I got you. Uh, I want to just talk about one last detail before we look at negotiations and where they stand and where we hope that they uh, go. It checks direct, de- directly deposited into the accounts of Americans or, or sent out through the mail via check. Not, not a part of this plan? That's right. Uh, the, the feeling is that uh, we shouldn't be out borrowing money that we don't absolutely need to help people that are in distress. Uh, and so writing checks to people who are employed uh, that uh, that are getting a regular paycheck doesn't make a lot of sense, uh, particularly as we're looking at the light at the end of the tunnel with vaccines coming along. Was it a mistake to issue those checks in the first round or have we simply learned lessons after that rollout that uh, that has informed uh, you, your proposal here? Well, as you may know, I was the one that uh, encouraged us to put those checks out in the first place uh, at the beginning of the the crisis. And the uh, idea was that people had gone out and bought supplies, uh, fearing what would happen if they couldn't get food or medicines. Uh, So a lot of people were out of pocket, and I wanted to make sure they had money back in their bank accounts so they'd be able to meet their expenses. And we could keep the economy sort of cooking along, uh, even though COVID was around. So I think it worked uh, initially. Uh, we'll let the economists have the final word on that. Sure. But at this stage, given the fact that unemployment is now down to, well, under 7 percent, we're we're seeing the kind of progress we'd hope to see economically. Yesterday, thank you for that. Yesterday on the floor of the Senate, Leader McConnell said that compromise is in reach. Was he referring to, to your proposal or his own? Or in what was he referring when he said compromise is in reach? Well, just a couple of weeks ago, you may recall that Nancy Pelosi said that she would not accept anything less than $2 trillion of additional spending. And uh, we got a group of Democrats and Republicans together and fashioned a bill at $908 billion. She has said she could support that. So has uh, Chuck Schumer on the Democratic Senate side. Uh, so a big movement on their part and on our part as well. And I think uh, Mitch McConnell is saying, hey, uh, either the $900 billion or perhaps something a little less than that, where he picks and chooses parts of our bill to incorporate in his own. But I think he's looking and saying, you know, one way or the other, uh, we're actually going to get help to people who are unemployed. Uh, the, the PPP program for small business is going to be extended. We're going to have money for vaccines. We're going to have money to get more broadband out in, into rural Utah. We'll have more money for rural hospitals. These are things that I think both sides are agreeing on. So there are some sticking points, but I think you're going to see progress. What are some of those larger sticking points? Well, the two biggest sticking points uh, relate to how much money is going to go to states and localities, and are we going to have liability protection at the federal level? And uh, the Democrats want, of course, a lot of money going to states, and uh, we Republicans say only on the basis of their need. We don't want to be bailing out New York and Illinois and California for the big pension liabilities they have. Uh, And uh, at the same time, we're saying, look, if we're going to be providing money to states, we want to make sure that these states have protections uh, for schools, hospitals, uh, doctors, uh, businesses 
to keep from having uh, to get swamped by liability lawsuits, negligence lawsuits. Understood. Last question I have for you deals with the, the timeline. If we're going to pull this off, uh, what's the timeline you need to follow? The House looks like it's going to leave town at the end of next week. Uh, is this something that can realistically come together that quickly, especially in light of the fact that, uh, that, that your proposal, at least to my understanding, is, uh, is yet to make its way into legislative text? I, I think it would be uh, an outrage, frankly, if we were not to get help to the American people at a time when we're going into the holiday season, when unemployment checks have stopped coming in many, many cases. Uh, that's simply unacceptable. We have to stay uh, here in Washington and make sure that we get this done. The idea of us going home for the Christmas holidays when people uh, can't make their rent payments, when they're worried about being able to put food on the table for Christmas, that, that would just be inexcusable. So uh, it, it's a very tight time frame. Uh, I'm hopeful we'll get there. I think we got a good shot at getting it done. And frankly, I'm predicting we will get it done. But uh, a lot of this is up to our Democrat friends, uh, as well as leadership on both sides of the aisle. Uh, and the White House. Any, any sense of where the White House stands right now? Yeah, we heard from the president yesterday a, a bit of a mixed message, but he said that he was uh, encouraged by the fact that the two sides had come together and worked on some kind of compromise uh, and that he was supportive. Uh, that doesn't mean he'll agree with every aspect, but I think in the final analysis that whatever makes it through the House and the Senate will be something which the president would support. All right. Senator Romney, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you for your work in Washington and sharing with us some insights on this uh, this big project on which you and others are working on. Senator Mitt Romney, thanks again. Thanks, Lee. All righty. We're going to take a quick break here. When we return, you heard reference I made there to some comments made on the floor of the Senate by Leader McConnell. You heard Senator Romney there make reference to some words spoken by uh, House Speaker Pelosi. We'll dive into what they said and where they stand next. On Live Mike, I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. Second segment of today's episode. We jumped into that interview with Senator Romney so quickly, I didn't have a chance to to catch my breath and say hello and thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for choosing to spend these two and a half hours with me here on the radio, joining us uh, here at KSL News Radio. Can I put in a, a shameless plea? Would you do me a favor? We, I know you and I have been gathering here today afternoons for uh, almost a year. In fact, uh, next week will mark my one-year anniversary here uh, chatting with you for these few hours each day. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, that still makes me a, a relatively a newcomer in the game of talk radio. We're still looking to uh, spread the message of live mic and grow the audience as uh, far and wide as we can. So if you wouldn't mind, do, do me this favor. And I'm shamelessly coming to you for help. Uh, would you, as you chat with your family here around the holidays, tell them about this new show. Tell them about Live Mike and that loudmouth kid who gets on the radio each day to spout off and to uh, talk a lot about his daughter and about uh, running and about politics. And, oh, yeah, every once in a while he'll dig into some old newspaper and hopefully share something insightful and interesting. Uh, let, let him know that there's this program here, and I would love to have uh, them listen in and text in, of course, and phone call. Uh, it's a two-way street here at Live Mike. In fact, if you have any thoughts on, say, that conversation that just concluded with Senator Romney, 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. If you'd like to go back and listen, which I encourage you to do, uh, you can download the KSL News Radio app, either on your Android, your iPhone, whatever, whatever device you have. Just go to the respective uh, uh, app store. Download that app powered by Any Hour Services, and on there you can access uh, not only podcasted uh, editions and versions of this program, like the conversation we had just now with Senator Romney, but you can also 
read and listen to the stories put together each day by the large team of KSL News Radio reporters. Uh, there is stuff going on all around this town, and we have reporters dedicated to making sure that all the information is uh, accurate and clear and prepared for you, and you can get that there at the KSL News Radio app. Okay, that's it for the shameless plugging. The topic we just discussed with Senator Romney was a piece of legislation, or rather a a legislative proposal, that he and others, uh, bipartisan, bicameral, he was there with Democrats and Republicans uh, of both the House and the Senate, they put forth this $908 billion measure. Now, when I saw that, just visually, you know, I I hadn't yet dug into the details, but when I saw, uh, I've got one of these TVs that has C-SPAN on it running constantly, it's muted, so I'm only able to see what's going on there. I looked up and I saw Senator Romney there uh, presenting what, you know, the crawl at the bottom, the crawl being, you know, the words they put to briefly summarize what's happening on screen. Uh, I saw that he was presenting a, a bipartisan proposal. I thought, oh my gosh. Well, uh, just looking at the relationship between uh, President Trump and Senator Romney, knowing that any proposal to address either relief or stimulus, however you want to phrase it, uh, in this COVID area, will ultimately require, you know, accepting a veto-proof majority support in both the House and Senate. Uh, any of that, any of that relief, w- would require the signature of the president. And I thought, just knowing the president. And uh, not knowing him, I guess I shouldn't say that, but knowing uh, of his track record and somehow the, or sometimes the way he reacts to things, uh, I, I was wondering if if that might not have been the wisest move, uh, putting Senator Romney uh, in front there, knowing that President Trump would see Romney presenting uh, this piece of legislation. Uh, and that was just my kind of knee-jerk reaction to things. But as the past four days or three and a half, however you want to count it, have transpired, seeing now that there is... In fact, at least inklings of a willingness on the part of Senate leadership, now even House leadership and Speaker Pelosi, and the possibility of support from the White House, uh, I think think that that's an encouraging sign. And I am glad that there is uh, something going forward. I'm glad that there is uh, something that looks at all of these areas that have been so uh, unfairly impacted by the coronavirus. Uh, you, know, you, you think about some of the things that I discussed with Senator Romney there, child care. Uh, there's also uh, some, some money for the, for the Postal Service uh, and state and local governments uh, are going to get some, some money there, uh, not to the, the, the grand tunes or the grand numbers referenced by Senator Romney. We're not bailing out, say, New York or California, anything like that, uh, but where there have been uh, legitimate needs, he claims that there are uh, monies there ready for them. Uh, additionally, I've been thinking a lot about this, about the the money made available for the Paycheck Protection Program, uh, small businesses and uh, restaurants and, and places where your friends work. Maybe they're businesses that your friends own. I have uh, – m- my attitude on that has evolved. I initially, when it seemed that the, the coronavirus, the impact at least that the coronavirus would be having on our economy, when when – in the earliest days, the predictions were that it wasn't going to be that long-lasting. My thought, and the thought by many, was that uh, it would be uh, a few weeks, and we'd get things under control, and that would be that. And it would be a brief blip in history. In fact, I can remember uh, the 
the day before I left the newsroom to go broadcast from my guest bedroom, remember when I was complaining about that for months on end? Well, the day before I left, uh, the, the the boss here, the program director is his title. He said to me, he said, Lee, listen, it's going to be two weeks tops. Uh, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Uh, we'll see you again here soon. Well, I didn't see him again for six months, except by a, a video conference and video chat. The reason I bring up that timeline is that when it was a brief when it was a brief problem that we were facing, when it seemed like there was a brief problem that I was facing, my attitude, my free market attitude was, well, you know what? These businesses ought to have uh, put in place something of a cushion to weather a storm like this that lasts a week or two or three. Well, we're well beyond that. We're well, well beyond that. And so I am wholeheartedly on the side of let's get some PPP money uh, into the accounts of these businesses. Let's get uh, paychecks back being paid. uh, And let's get this economy uh, at least relieved for the time being until the vaccine can do its helpful work. Take a break right now. We're going to continue this conversation. When we return, we'll be speaking with Derek Miller, president and CEO of the Salt Lake Chamber. He's reached out to the governor and legislative leaders here in the state. What does he have to say? We'll find out next. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. 